Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Episode 29, Queen Anne Hall. Seventh Church of Christ Scientist Seattle wrote to the Mother Church in Boston on April 4, 1920. The final step in our demonstration of readiness has been accomplished, the clerk explained. They were applying for recognition as a new branch of the Mother Church. Normally, this meant setting up a listing in the Directory of Churches in the Christian Science Journal, initiating an exchange of friendly official greetings with the other local branch churches, and then focusing on the routine business of running a church. But these were not normal times. Their letter to the Board of Directors in Boston also included special assurance of their continuing loyalty. It had taken five months to organize Seventh Church. The letter suggested that this was remarkably slow, according to calendar time, but they were now rejoicing over obstacles overcome, the biggest challenge being the establishment of a reading room, something that would always be difficult for the Queen Anne branch and the other Seattle churches in residential areas. The united thought has been one of obedience to the manual of the Mother Church, the clerk of Seventh Church wrote. The fact that they were starting out as a church, not a society, was an unmentioned remarkable accomplishment in itself that showed significant organizational strength. They had 37 charter members, all members of the Mother Church except one, and among them were seven journalisted Christian science practitioners. They had the blessing of the branch churches from which they had come. On October 24, 1919, a group from the Queen Anne District had petitioned the boards of both First and Fourth Churches. First Church had such a large amount of debt from construction of their edifice that some members felt the Queen Anne residents should wait until the church was dedicated before forming yet another branch church in Seattle. And so when 15 people met to discuss the idea of starting a new church, some opposition developed. But the proponents argued that a new church would relieve the condition of overflow at the services of First Church. Furthermore, it was difficult to travel from Queen Anne Hill to Capitol Hill. Because of Seattle's hilly terrain and waterways, the route was circuitous. Going to church on the public trolley system included a transit connection downtown. Parents were hesitant to take their children on such a long journey, and so they were being deprived of the opportunity to attend Sunday school. For the family-oriented Christian scientists living in Queen Anne, a local church was quite essential. 
the boards of first and fourth churches both agreed with the petitioners and offered their hearty approval and loving cooperation. These approving board letters were shared in a meeting on November 7, 1919 at Queen Anne Hall in Lower Queen Anne at First Avenue West and Roy Street. They sent a reply to First and Fourth Churches, thanking you for the hearty good wishes which you have extended to the new organization and with every assurance of a desire to work for the united progress of the Christian science movement in the city of Seattle and in the world at large. We are very sincerely yours. The next meeting was held on November 18th, and so began a succession of frequent business meetings over the next several weeks, often starting at 8 p.m. and continuing until 11 p.m., the members of the new group each pledged a regular monthly contribution to give the board an initial budget to work with. They were already committed to long-term financial support of the church, even a building project. The collection from the first Sunday of each month would go to a building fund, beginning with the first church service on January 4th. They put just a simple little notice in the newspapers about the new Seventh Church, the latest addition to the number of Christian Science churches in Seattle. At the first service, the audience filled every one of their 300 chairs, and a few had to stand. Charles A. Griffith, board chair at First Church during building construction, now served as first reader for Seventh Church. Edna Lyman Scott was elected second reader. The subject of the sermon that week was God, and members found the citations appropriate and inspiring to this new expression of church. Ernest Worth sang a solo called It Is Enough to Know, accompanied by his wife on piano. They collected about $310 for their building fund. The board reported... The unselfish contributions of many volunteers, the sense of divine leading actuating the board, and the harmonious cooperation and democracy felt in all the deliberations of Seventh Church helped immeasurably to make the occasion a success in a large way. This very harmonious beginning for Seventh Church, however, was occurring during an increasingly divisive period for the larger Christian Science Church community. The Boston situation may have previously seemed as distant rumblings, not something that people in Seattle should be involved with. This was no longer the case. The Seventh Church letter to Boston asking for recognition coincided with an eruption of controversy worldwide. Earlier that week, the members of Seventh Church were called in to meet with their board to help them decide if they should send a delegate to the State Conference of Christian Science Churches to be held in Seattle the next day, March 30th, for the purpose of considering 
what steps best to take in the matter of the problems existing between the board of directors of the Mother Church and the publishing society. Of special concern was the fact that Seventh Church was not yet a recognized branch church. After considerable discussion, the members resolved to ask their first reader, Mr. Griffith, to attend the Tuesday conference and report back to them. After the Wednesday testimony meeting following the conference, the members gathered to hear about the event. As the membership business meeting began, they were all reminded by the president of Mary Baker Eddy's Rule for Motives and Acts that neither animosity nor mere personal attachment should impel the motives or acts of the members of the Mother Church. Principle, not personal feelings, should be their guide. There were many reports to consider. They had received a letter from a branch church in New York. There were verbal reports of actions taken in other parts of the country. Mr. Griffith gave his report on the Washington Conference. Several other members also gave short talks. Over the next few weeks, they received the official conference minutes, a letter from the chair of the Washington Conference, a circular letter from the board of directors of the Mother Church, a telegram from the trustees of the Publishing Society, and a Boston Post article. Then they received a letter from other delegates from the Washington Conference with a letter enclosed from a similar conference of delegates in New York State, along with a petition. Clearly, the issue was heating up. The Seventh Church Board members were united in their disapproval of some of these ambiguous cryptic and insinuating letters they were receiving from Washington delegates. They welcomed honest criticism and information if set forth in comprehensive terms, but they were unalterably opposed to any propaganda that would interfere with individual demonstration according to the Manual of the Mother Church. It seemed to them that by trying to give advice to practitioners and branch churches, the conference had enlarged its activities far beyond the powers conferred to them. They were not sure they wanted to support any more statewide church conferences. In the spirit of the unity that had characterized all their organizational work, Seventh Church unanimously decided to take action regarding their reading room purchases. Until the Publishing Society was again following the manual of the Mother Church, Seventh Church would only stock for sale the writings of Mary Baker Eddy and a few other specific items. But it hardly seemed consistent to the members of Seventh Church that they take individual action there were too many potential impacts. More letters were being sent around, including the Joint Literature Distribution Committee announcing that they might shut down their offices in the Empire Building. Seventh Church decided to write a letter to all the Christian Science Churches in Seattle recommending unified consideration 
on the issue of literature. They called for a meeting of the Seattle boards. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.